Scott, welcome to Dow Talk. Thanks for joining us. Super stoked to have you here. Awesome. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, why don't you just get us started? Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you got into crypto, Web3, and then what you're working on now. Yeah, I mean, so I've been in the space since uh, 2015, which is kind of wild to think about at this point. I think that there's a bunch of things that actually got me interested in the space to start, but mostly I was working doing like kind of machine learning and finance and sort of like Web2 TM. And I feel like most of my interest actually came from just trying to find things that were not that in Toronto at the time. And there were just a bunch of meetups that started happening um, up until the Frontier launch. And I just kind of slowly realized, wait a minute, like most of what I'm working on here is actually just like kind of made up. Like it's sort of an abstraction that like we've just gotten used to over the last like 20, probably longer than 20 years. But like, I think with that, sort of realization, you know, I couldn't really go back and I just sort of like started thinking about how do I get involved in the space? What do I like want to do with this sort of like idea, like this knowledge? And that was kind of what got me started. In 2016, I started a project that failed terribly uh, because as everyone sort of like does, I think they write like, a passage, <laughs> write a passage for sure. Um, the DAO hack happened. We were trying to work on actually things that were related to like DAO tooling at the time, which cool. was just kind of the idea of like, hey, like, Everyone's raising, you know, all this money based on the idea that, like, you know, you have to work with VCs, you have to work with, like, large capital providers. In Canada, the markets are even worse, I think, than in the U.S. in this regard. Like, all the family offices, all these, like, kind of older generation, like, markets are, like, you know, we love, like, not crypto mining. They love, like, mining, like, like yeah. gold mining. Yeah. And, like, that's the market. And so... You know, I was like, well, what if founders could just raise equity between each other, like have like founder collectives? And but then, of course, with the DAO hack, no one really wanted to talk about DAOs for a while. So, yeah. but that was kind of my first introduction to like, hey, what would it mean to like actually build something in the space? And yeah, I haven't really looked back since. Awesome. Awesome. I feel like I've met a bunch of people who are from Toronto that got into it. What there was, I'm, I'm yeah. relatively new, but I feel like. I read the Infinite Machine. I feel like there's a lot of uh, like Ethereum stuff happening That's right, in, yeah. in Toronto early on. Yeah, it was like the kind of hub for like I mean, Vitalik started Ethereum there. There's a house on Spadina where like a lot of people were. I wasn't super deep in it at that point, but like a lot of people in Toronto kind of rallied around the idea because like Vitalik and other sort of early folks were out there talking about it, just because that's where they were. And I think ultimately a lot of their the interest are like you know, should have probably remained in Canada. But of course, you know, it's not the most friendly environment for these sorts of things. And so naturally, I think people kind of like gravitated, like distributed across the world a little later on. But yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of my best experiences came actually from a set of meetups that were run by, um, I think, Nick Dodson, Fuel Labs now. Okay, um, cool. And he just like taught people, like you had to like sync your node before you could like actually do anything and it took like 10 minutes to sync the node so we'd all just wait for that to happen and then yeah like folks like richard moore from ethers.js were there and he was just involved in like you know trying to almost with nick like compete to make like a really like kind of tiny library for like doing all this stuff like on the on the javascript side and those sorts of experiences didn't feel like formative at the time. They just were things that were like kind of randomly happening. And um, I think in hindsight, it's easier to build like a, a, you know, narrative and think like, oh, this was like, you know, where it all happened in yeah. a sense. Yeah. But I, I really think it was just kind of like a nice kind of fun happenstance environment. And 
what made it great was just that we were all kind of on like Friday night. Like we didn't have anything better to do. And we're just like, well, why don't we just go and hang out and like try and figure out what's like what this thing is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of times, like in retrospect, those experiences are the most fun too. Like um, I've had this experience working at like Web2 startups where in the beginning, early on, it's very hard, you know, and like objectively speaking, five years later, the company's really big. You have all these like nice perks and stuff like on an objective basis, it's like better, but you kind of like, I don't know, you almost like want the old, there's something special about it just being like hard and like people only being there because they wanted to be, you know, <laughs> and Absolutely. then later on, it kind of becomes like almost like an obligation. Um, so yeah, I can definitely appreciate, you know, appreciate that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I actually, so I recently like joined crypto uh, like full time and kind of dove into the DAO space like four or five months ago. And it was so much smaller than I thought because there's a lot of people who like to like tweet about DAO stuff, you know, like DAO this, DAO that. It's kind of like low hanging fruit. So I assumed it was like, you know, relatively big industry within crypto. And as soon as I jumped in, I was like, no, there's probably like, you know, hundreds of like active in any way decentralized DAOs, not thousands, you know? And I was like, that's crazy. Like, you know, it's so early. So I'm hoping like, you know, we're kind of in a similar formative period and we look back five years from now and be like, wow, that was, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely feel like, you know, if you look at Twitter and this was kind of the problem with like the bull market, I think we're kind of in a, I think everyone would admit we're in a bit of a bear market now. Like, you know, everyone was like, this is it. This is like the future. Like I'm all in on like DAOs. Like, okay, but like we're, we're making incremental progress. These are not things that are going to happen overnight. Any major shift in society, whether it's social, technological, whatever, takes usually decades to actually play out. And I think we have this expectation in the moment that like this thing exists and therefore now it's like, you know, should just be everywhere all at once. And I think yep. the mindset shift everyone goes through when they go through their first like sort of cycle in the space is realizing like, wait, it's all kind of, you know, iterative. And like this just happens like over, over time, over and over. And I think for people that are going through like their, you know, first cycle now, I think that's the biggest realization to have is it's not that like, oh, it's like over. It's that like, this is just like another iteration that's like happening. And that's actually really healthy in a sense. So like, yeah, I mean, you you talk about DAOs in that way. I think NFTs especially (laughs) are like in that, kind of stage of just being like let's just slap an nft on it like that's like the future yeah and yeah i think that like having experimentation is really good but also like you know in both those contexts just realizing like how small the space is and like how narrow the sort of like you know explorations we've made so far are is just like super important for like you know perspective yeah absolutely um one thing i like about both thousand nfts that i think has contributed to the hype is that they create surface area for a different type of person to get involved in Ethereum. I was talking earlier today to Brian from Sarah Space. He like is a historically like Web2 consumer product UX designer. And he's pretty new to Web3, but they've already built this like really cool like minting experience just because he has that like background of like, okay, how do I put my consumer hat on and create something that like makes sense uh-huh. to someone who isn't an expert on what's happening on the back end. And so I think like that's part of the reason DAOs and NFTs have blown up because there's all these people like, you know, artists, like people like myself with the background in B2B software, like they see things and they're like, oh, crypto is cool. And like, this is something I can actually do versus like, you know, 
cryptographic research. Like it's a pretty, pretty specific, you know, background to have. But I also think, yeah, it's like everyone jumped in. Now we're like, well, actually a lot of these things don't work. <laughs> but, but that's like, like you said, it's just part of the process. And even if you look at DAOs, even though there's a lot of things that didn't work or th- things that called us the styles that really aren't DAOs, there are like an early set of different approaches that are working well, right? Like I think, you know, if you look at something like Gitcoin, you look at something like ENS, Compound, Nouns, DAO, like they all have like slightly different mechanisms and do slightly different things. They also have their own set of problems, but like you can see they're sort of like these early seeds that are actually, you know, working. And I think, yeah, we'll blossom going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we haven't really explored a lot of different models for DAOs. And I think that like, even in the context of Gitcoin, I think we've done a really good job of trying to iterate on the sort of Uniswap, you know, like Governor Alpha sort of model of like, how do you do DAO governance? I think ENS and then like Optimism and others have also done a really good job iterating on, on that. I think the challenge to me right now is mostly thinking about scale. Like, I think we talk about DAOs as like many different things and we don't really properly differentiate between the types of, of things we're talking about. So for example, like everyone's familiar with the concept of like, especially after squad wealth, like the other internet posts, like of a squad, yeah. you have like your group, you have like a group chat, you have like people hanging out and like doing things together. Sometimes like even finding like ways to like find value together, like make money together. Those things just naturally happen at small scales. I think a lot of DAOs have kind of, you know, especially in the bull market, had the idea that like, oh, you can just scale that infinitely and just have vibes with like 10,000 people. And like, you'll just like, that'll like (laughs) work. I think it does work for certain types of organizations, but like for many, like, especially larger communities or large organizations that doesn't scale. And that's when you need like other ways to find alignment between groups. You need other forms of structure. And I think that's where people start to lose like the plot a little bit. I think a lot of people are like, well, like if you have structure, if you have any kind of like, you know, model of um, interaction between like groups that is like has any kind of, for example, hierarchy, even if it's like, you know, or or leadership in some cases, like sometimes like those things can be seen as not a DAO, like people talk about like dinos. And I think there's actually valid like ideas to like what a, what a dino is. But I think it's really important for us to start to think about like, what are the different types of organizations we're making? What are the trade-offs we're making? And how do we make those trade-offs in a way that like actually one does, does like legitimately push us forward in terms of the way we're thinking about organizations, but two does so in a way that actually like functionally and like productively gets us to the actual outcomes, like the mission, like driven, like outcomes that we're trying to achieve. And I think that's where I'm really excited for DAOs to go like in the next like kind of year is just towards this goal of actually thinking through like, what are we here for? Maybe it is vibing, maybe it is vibing, but I think it's often a broader, like more sort of like deep rooted mission and purpose. And I think without that, it's going to be very difficult to find an organization, to find a DAO that functions uh, effectively. So I don't know, that's a long, yeah. No, no, I I, I definitely vibe with that. One of the things that I've been thinking about is like, I don't think DAOs necessarily need traditional titles or or like title permissioned authority, but they do need leaders. Like, you know, it just maybe looks different, but like ultimately leadership is necessary within groups of humans to really activate like everyone's potential. And so I think some DAOs or people have been like afraid of that concept, but I think 
it's something that it in some ways I think it requires more leadership, actually, like better yeah. or more elevated leadership to really make progress in a DAO where it's like you can influence what others are doing, but in a way that is like entirely permissionless for you and them. It's almost like we need more, you know, more leadership. Cause in a in a traditional centralized like company, you can have a title but not be a leader at all. Yes. You know, like you can just be like the vice president of blank and you just like chill. Like not that I've ever seen yeah. that before. <laughs> Definitely have, you know, yeah. um, whereas in a DAO, like hopefully you could still have like whatever the equivalent of like VP level influences just in terms of like you're helping many different groups like achieve goals or one group tackle something really big, but not because someone like bestowed that title upon you you know, but because yeah. you sort of like earn that through through leadership. So I think that's like one thing. And then you also mentioned like, okay, scale is really important. I think it's a great point. And like, I think it's really important to understand like whatever like the most scaled organizations today are. So the US government or various like federal offices, Google, Walmart, the YMCA, like just these massive, like whatever the biggest like centralized organizations you can think of are um, probably, you know, church, like Catholic church, like et cetera. They exist, but like if you've ever worked in any of those organizations, like it's also very painful. Like, <laughs> how do you scale up coordination between many people is not actually a well solved problem. So it's important no. to understand that, like, yes, DAOs are going through growing pains, but like I think some of the people who are like DAOs are never going to work have just never worked in a giant organization because well, it's yeah. like exceptionally dysfunctional. Well, a lot of people haven't worked in like, I mean, this is a lot of people have started their jobs now in web three, which is actually kind of interesting to see. Like it's, it's a good thing that that's happening. On the other hand, a lot of people kind of reinvent like ideas or processes that have existed before. I think actually like to your point about like kind of, and, and this is one of the challenges, like I did use the word hierarchy and I think there's like nuance to like the way in which you use that word. Like there's things that can be seen as hierarchical, which are like ultimately like very, very like pernicious, toxic, bad, then there's like other, I think other ways to look at it, like other types of hierarchy that are like very, very valuable. And a lot of it comes down to like, what is the mechanism by which, yeah, like power is distributed and then like by which influence is leveraged. On the one hand, I think, yeah, you can, you can have this sort of like hard power, which I think is usually like less effective than like finding alignment. But like as organizations scale, the like returns you get on alignment are like almost decay like in a sort of like logarithmic sense like yeah. so yeah. You, you do need eventually to have like some balance between structure and alignment that like takes shape but the interesting thing that i i've learned a lot from has been like to your point and, and so on the one hand yes you need like to look back at like what has happened in previous organizations like that's kind of the key point there on the other hand i think Folks like David Ehrlichman, who wrote the book Impact Networks, have done a really good job of highlighting how to kind of flip, not necessarily flip those models on their head, but like provide really kind of like structured like changes and like like actionable ways to kind of lead in a slightly more non-hierarchical way. And I think there's like a really interesting movement happening. Like folks like uh, Rafa from Mir are also sort of, I think, really involved in this discussion and have done a really good job highlighting some of these ideas. But we're essentially asking ourselves, like, what can we take from this previous era of, like, organization? And then what can we add that's, like, not really being tried at large scale before? And I think that's where a lot of the, like, best insights will come from. Not yeah. from, like, us just kind of, like, digging in, like, being, like, I invented this entirely new framework for a thing. And, you know, like, we don't want to look back at, like, anything that's happened before. But also not by stagnating and 
kind of, you know, saying, well, this is how Google runs its like internal, you know, project teams. And so he, here's how we should do it. I yeah. mean, Google's infamously like extremely like dysfunctional, right? Yep. So, yeah. I mean, already a terrible example there, but there's just so many, I think we are very bad at nuance, especially on Twitter. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. very important for us to like, as we, you know, start to, now we actually have a bit of time in the bear market to like step back and think about deeply, what are we actually trying to do? I think that's where we should like start to really have these conversations together and, and have them in a way that's, you know, kind of productive and, and start to think about the solutions together. I think it takes a lot of courage to look at something that is struggling, right? It's like, once you get really close to a problem, you just see it really clearly, <laughs> you know, so you see all, all the gaps. And so you look at like, you know, DAOs as they exist today, it's like, there's a lot of really clear problems, you know. It's hard for governance tokens to retain value. Like, we don't have effective civil resistance. It's really hard to, like, create, like, align communities and make sure they, you know, don't become toxic. Like, I could go <laughs> go on. I'm sure you could do. But, like, I think that's really true of any problem space and, like, what leadership is and, like, uh, what, you know, I think is, like, sort of the courageous thing to do is to be like, cool, I acknowledge this. And like, here's what we're going to try next. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think we'll see. Yeah, we'll see a lot of folks who are willing to do that. Maybe not a lot in number, but like enough. <laughs> you know, that are willing to do that over the course of the spare market that will come outside of the other side looking different. Yeah, I, I think it's almost like a lot of leadership is also iteration, the same way that the space has cycles. I think leadership has cycles, and I think any you know organization that succeeds is going to go through different eras for. For us, I think we've been relatively lucky in the sense that the way we structured governance initially did have a lot of checks and balances in place, but we still, you know, a lot of people with delegated governance talk about the challenge of like steward engagement. How do you make sure people are like following kind of the rules or like that they're interacting with proposals in an informed way? Those are things that like we, I think, started off relatively strong on, but like we still had to work very hard to actually make sure that those things remain the case. And I think that like it's very easy to, yeah, just get kind of complacent and be like, well, this is like kind of, you know, how things have worked or, you know, how we're doing things now and we're not going to, we're not going to change. So I think leadership is, is a lot about how do you actually iterate and, and kind of guide that iteration over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you talked about the challenges of scale, like you gave the example of like, um, Squad wealth versus Constitution Dow. I don't know if you meant Constitution Dow. Oh but that's no, like, but that's, very that's like the other yeah, yeah. end of the spectrum, right? Yeah. It's like that's like extreme squad, <laughs> permissionless, like yeah. forty thousand person squad wealth. So like Gitcoin's gone through a similar process where like I wasn't around for the first Gitcoin grant round, but I've heard it was like pretty small, and now yep. you're matching millions, you know, every quarter. So would love for you to elaborate, like. You know, as you've gone through that process of scale and also looking forward, hopefully 10xing again, like what are some of the challenges that you have faced and you think you will face going forward? One of the things that I think, yeah, we started with a 25K, I think, round in round one. And then now I think the matching pool for GR14, which I, I don't know when this will actually come out. It's still ongoing now, but it might not be ongoing by the time this releases. And the iterations on the on the product side have been a really big part, I think, of just our own our own growth. And for a long time, those were separate from the DAO. Those were like totally independent. But now, yeah, like, I mean, everything is pretty much being ported over, which was actually a really interesting process. I mean, like kind of moving from like a centralized organization to like a DAO is its own like kind of like learning. And Jesse Walden has written a lot about this better than I can articulate it in terms of like progressive decentralization. But 
I mean, a lot of what we've learned, I think, over that time period is just being, you know, beyond the the organizational learnings has been around, like, how do people interact with incentives? I think everyone in crypto learns about this. And, like, I think there's something to be said in that context for Constitution DAO and, like, the Squadwell stuff you mentioned, which is, like, a whole different tangent. They kind of ran into the problem of, like, more organizationally, like, they they basically just, like, scaled I think the team too quickly and like they they lost that alignment from growing past a squad level. They grew yeah. past like being a true squad. Yeah. But like Gitcoin Grants always was like already at a scale, even from round one, where it was like past Dunbar's number. There were like, I think even like a couple thousand donors in the first round. There were a, a decent number of grantees. I think there were like maybe 50 grantees. It was like now it's like 3,000 or 4,000 or something. Yeah. But what we learned is that in terms of incentives, yeah, people really like to, like, for example, like farm airdrops. There's like lots of these things that happen. People will always try and find ways to game, you know, anything that has to do, that has like a possible civil attack vector. Yep. There's lots of ways, which, which quadratic funding, of course, like has like as, as a kind of core part of it. If you donate many times, you know, basically you'll end up with uh, way more matching funding. If you pretend you're eight people, let's say, versus if you have you know two people donating four dollars each the matching amount would be like naively square the sum of the square roots of contributions uh 16 and then if you had eight people donate one dollar each you would get 64 so it's like a massive difference right and yeah people will gain that the other piece i think is just like people like generally want to be valued and rewarded for their work without articulating their outcomes sometimes i, I don't think this is actually like always the case but like i think sometimes this is true with DAOs in terms of just traditional centralized grants programs too. Yep. But I think often it's very difficult to, you know, find people um, that will effectively, yeah, like, you know, follow milestones or like kind of like engage with their community. I think over time we've managed to find a ton of grantees that are, are willing to do that. And, and I think a large percentage of people on the platform now do. But I think that like the natural instinct is still kind of against that. I think it's generally like, you know, I did this thing, like, please, like now, like this should be like, just like valued. And to be fair, to some degree, they're not wrong. Like to some degree, they should, you know, be rewarded. Like, and this is what we're like, you know, talking about with retroactive public goods funding. We've done some work with Optimism on this too, like retroactively for their work. But on the other hand, I think people need to be willing to, to like showcase what they've, what they've created and like kind of be willing to like, Put themselves out there to some degree, you know, even before crypto, that was like an incredibly important thing, like a, a, like an exponential kind of like thing to do for your own growth and for like, right. so there's a lot of like tangents I can go on in terms of like, what have we learned from like the product from like Bitcoin Grants itself? But like, yeah. I think those are really interesting. Like there's like probably, and, and I think some people have written papers on this, which probably are much better than like my explanations here, but like people writing about like, yeah, what are the learnings from like a mechanism design perspective? And then also just from like a like human behavior perspective from like these kinds of communities at scale. Because again, like the way that those things work past Dunbar's number is just very different from the sort of mode of a squad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was a that was a great answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit it's, long, but I think it's yeah. real I think it's really cool that you guys are that you have implemented quadratic voting in the wild, right? Because to your point, it's certainly like civil resistance hasn't been solved, uh, you know, yet in, in, in crypto. I haven't dug deep into mechanism design or red output, but like, I feel like 
despite the fact that Gitcoin keeps scaling up, thus the more incentive for for civil attacks, like the mechanism is still held up well. So I, I, I certainly like, yeah, would point to like, even just not the Gitcoin DAO, but even just the mechanism design as like a form of decentralization that is like yeah. working to some degree at scale in crypto. I, I would credit the DAO actually with a lot of that, to be honest. I think that like, we, we, so we have a works, we have uh, like five work streams right now. One of them is like around public goods funding, which does like operations for the rounds, does fundraising. One of them is sort of like a incubation sort of space, Moonshot Collective. Um, Austin Griffiths is doing a lot of that work there. We have a work stream for sort of like fraud detection, which is like where a lot of the oh, civil cool. resistance cool. works and like mechanism design happens. Michael Zargum, like the block science team and like, you know, a bunch of others like have done really great work in this area and have also like been sort of more on the academic side writing papers there. That's really cool. But yeah, there's like a lot of those. I mean, there's, yeah, I, I was going to like list off all the work streams, but anyway, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. We're like actually getting to the point of launching like more thin work streams, like to try and keep the service area of like accountability really clear because yeah. that that's one of the challenges that you i think run into honestly like Lin, again like i'm gonna keep like name dropping things that like are better references but like linda z like has written a really good post um that i, I helped out with that was like her learnings from being a delegate in the gitcoin context but like yeah all these things that the product is doing effectively are really coming from at this point the DAO and have sort of like for the last like four, I think, rounds at this point, like That's being awesome. mostly driven that way. That's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned over time the DAO has made more of and more of an impact on, yeah. on the product itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and like really cool. it's been, you know, many, many rounds since the DAO launched, but also, I mean, most, still the majority were when we were like a centralized company. Yeah. And I think that we've actually learned a lot from the rounds where we haven't been really like like directly at the wheel and we've been able to see how like the community kind of evolves the process so from that perspective like i'm just like excited to see where things go and like it makes me optimistic about like yeah like even in spite of like yes there's challenges to DAOs, the fact that like hey you can run something that like functionally has an impact um like in the in the real world even i mean with the context we're doing like the climate round without needing to have crazy sorts of like innovations in terms of like governance systems or massive changes in terms of like the way that you think about like work streams or pods or whatever you want to call like these like smaller working groups. Those are all like ideas that have existed for a while, for a long time. And to like going back to the David Ehrlichman sort of like impact networks point, be restructured or reimagined in a new context. But like you can still do a lot with that, that I think we're doing well on the Gitcoin side with, but we're as an ecosystem I think probably not giving enough like credence or like credit to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it kind of gets back to like what I was mentioning about like courage. It's like people who are willing to build with the tools that we have today and are like making an impact, getting stuff done in a like, in a way that is like legitimately decentralized, at least on some level, it's like yeah, super yeah. impressive. And you're right. Like it is happening, you know, it, it, even as like all these tools come on board, it makes me like, um, really bullish on DAOs and decentralization actually like how like rough the tooling is, you know, like that's, that's something that I've learned like about myself. Like I really like to operate in spaces where it's just like extremely painful, but like something is there. Cause that actually is very bullish, right? It's like, there is DAO work happening. There are people who are working permissionlessly. There is decentralized trust that exists. And yet 
like every single part of the process, there's like so many obvious potential improvements, you know, that could be made. I think, I think it speaks well, yeah, to the potential going forward. Yeah. I feel like the tooling we have is not very good in many cases. I think there is like, I mean, for example, like we use Tally. Tally is still like super like impactful in terms of just allowing the stewards to be able to functionally vote on like, and like get involved in proposals in a way that like, if you had to actually interact with the contracts and like do all that work would be like extremely like cumbersome and just not realistic for people to be able to pursue. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's good, but I think we are still quite early on in terms of tooling. And despite that, we're still doing very well. And I think that both speaks to probably like an over indexing on like the tooling versus the social processes and just like the kind of like ways that you build sort of trust and build a kind of like, just like organizational, like alignment. Yep. But like at the same time, like shows that, you know, there's a lot more that we can do that like hasn't been done yet that will even like further increase like the way these things like evolve. So I think that's like really important. But the other thing that I want to like very quickly call out, like, which it was just kind of on this, on this, in this vein, because I mean, on Twitter now, I think you do see a lot of people like, especially I think that, you know, naturally people will follow the trends. So when things are going really well, people are like, DAOs are the future. I'm all in on DAOs. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's like everything is like, and that's also, that's wrong. Like, yep. that's like incorrect. Like, you can't say like, it, it's too just hyperbolic in one direction. And then when things really go poorly, people are like, DAOs are done. Like, there's yeah, no point DAO in DAOs. It's, it's, it's the end. Just by pointing out like yeah. the worst failures. <laughs> yeah. And I think both of those perspectives are like pretty, like, not like, I don't think intentionally disingenuous, but like, yep. they're just like, very unfortunate it's an unfortunate reality of the way that like we interact on social media that like those things like tend to be the the defaults and i think that what we need to think about instead is just like how do we kind of like you know call things out as needed but avoid cynicism in a way that's like helping to push the ecosystem forward by the way like i mean i still love twitter and i still think there's lots of things that are like great there and like but like i do think that it's a very I mean, it's funny because it, it also happens like in the context of, I'm sure, like many different like DAO governance processes. I know there's like something that happened with, I don't remember the exact details, like with phase governance recently that was like called out and like that was a whole thing. I think there are things that are, yeah, like important to, to call out and so forth. But like, um, and, and there's still lots of like good things to, to draw from that on Twitter. But often, yeah, we just run into this problem yeah. of, these extremes. I think a lot of the people that are like the loudest about DAOs being like everything in the bull market and then also never, ever, ever going to work in the bear market don't actually work in DAOs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, I mean like, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's like people who are like, I kind of like, I've heard of DAOs. Like, I like, yeah. I have an idea like from like having heard of them of what I can say about them. But like, that doesn't make me. An expert. I think anyone that tells yeah. you they're a DAO expert is like that's a great sign that like they have no idea what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Because like no one is is an expert in that space yet, and I think that is fundamentally kind of a good thing in, yeah. in the current context. One thing that we've been talking about at Tally, I want to circle back to your point about like we need better tooling in terms of like software platforms like Tally, but also just like practices, standards, like yeah. things like that. We've been having that realization at Tally too. That's actually one of the reasons we're like doing this podcast and this event and all this stuff is like, we realize like a tool doesn't just have to be software. In fact, like we need better software, but like 
that may not even be like what is most needed at, at any given time yeah. to help DAOs move forward. And like, if you think about DAO tooling startups like Tally, like the most, if you were to like make a pitch deck and ri- list the risks, the number one risk for all of them is DAOs never achieving scale. Right. right? So much so yeah. that like all the other risks are actually like not that important right yeah. now. We, we, we as a community just need to figure out, okay, like how can we help DAOs move forward? Cause like we all need that, you know, mm-hmm. we're all betting on that. And so I think you're right. And like, that's even something as like a software provider where we're like, okay, I mean, it's marketing for us to do this, but it's also just like, we kind of need to help like <laughs> outside of just the product through conversations like this to help DAOs, yeah, even just figure out like standards, working together, like who's trying what and like what isn't working and what is working, you know, and stuff like that. Because I think you're right. We've been talking about community a lot, just randomly internally. It's like, okay, all DAOs are like experiencing various challenges with managing their community and then also having some successes. It's like, how can we distill that down? Like if you were to make a tool for community, it might be software or it might just be like a list of like recommended like (laughs) tips and tricks for like how you set expectations how like what behavior is permissible or not how do you explain your values like all that stuff so i think i think you're absolutely right like even even on our side we're obviously our like main focus is software tools we're realizing like a lot of what needs to happen is also just like learning about how to work together more effectively in the DAO context yeah, I feel like we use the term, it's similar to like DAO, like we use the term community in a lot of different ways. And Richard Bartlett's done a really good job highlighting like different scales of community over time. So like you have like the individual, like as its own, like the self, like just as a community, you have like like sort of like 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 uh, small, like sort of like dyads, you have like, you know, squads, you have like the, and, and as you go like and scale up, like the thing you mean by community is like very different and so the same way that in the context of like DAOs, we're, we're sort of like very, very, it, it's a very nebulous term. We're like not doing a good job defining it. I think we have made the mistake with, with tooling for communities of saying like, oh, you're a community. Well, here's your Discord. Yeah. Like here's your like, you, here's you your have a like general chat. channel and you have an announcements yeah. channel. And like those are just not like, there's no mapping that's going to always yeah. work. Like there's always like, I think... It's funny because like when we talk about like decentralization, like we do often talk about that in terms of like, you know, how do we have lots of like smaller DAOs versus like, you know, one large DAO, which I think is like very valid, like the idea of like sub DAOs, the idea of like all these concepts. But I think when we talk about like tooling, we we often don't make the same distinction. Like we often yeah. are just like very um, kind of stuck with like, hey, like this is the tool for like for DAOs and that. Yeah, it's definitely a mistake to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, really appreciate that. Just like back and forth. Um, I feel like I could continue this all day, but you're probably busy and I um, have a lot more interviews to do. <laughs> um, so I just want to like transition kind of like as we come to a close, would love to get just to your general take two parts of the question. One, what is one thing that like you love about working in crypto web three DAOs like that just gets you up every morning? And then what's one thing that like, if you could change it, you would, or maybe you're actively working on improving in space. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things that are really great about it. But the one thing to me is that you are kind of very organically in ways that I don't think really exists in other organizations, finding sort of your people by just sort of like 
providing a beacon of like sort of the mission that you're on and the goals mm-hmm. you're trying to achieve and people kind of like rallying around that in ways that eventually like kind of just almost by happenstance, at least luckily in, in our case, lead to a team that's like very values aligned, that's like really interested in working on these things together. That to me is like, you know, maybe harder to do in other contexts where you don't have like this sort of like light switch, like activation of like a global community that can like work with you on something. And then in addition, I just think that like going back to the point about experimentation, like there's so many things here. Like I studied math and political science actually in undergrad. And like a lot of that was actually originally me thinking like, oh, maybe I'll do law school. Maybe I'll do something around like voting systems. Like, and that experimentation is also just fascinating to me because it's, if you look back at the last 200, whatever, even more years, like we mostly just have systems that like, again, going back to the absurdism that we've stuck with because of no real reason. Like we just stuck with them because we're like, this is like what exists in the world. And I guess that's what we got. And I think now we actually are, you know, even though it's imperfect, like giving ourselves tools and like, kind of like even just a mindset shift around the idea that we can just start building new sort of like systems and new, like new institutions. And that to me is really exciting. In terms of the challenges, I think probably like all the stuff, like we mentioned a bunch of those things, (laughs) but like there's with any of that innovation, with anything that's happening, that's like very new, there's bound to be a lot of like problems. I feel like I do spend like a decent amount of time or at least have historically like putting out some kind of fire, whether because, and I think that's like, especially true in like just crypto generally, there's always something happening. There's always like some kind of new like evolution of the, the space. And sometimes I can get really tiring. I think like mental health in Web3 is like a very important like conversation um, that I know like folks like 2 Plus and others are, are doing good work on. So that to me is like the only thing. It is a 24-7 like yeah. constant like ecosystem. And I do think one thing we could probably do better is figure out like how do we provide some kind of like balance um, or, or like return to like kind of a, a rhythm of, of like interaction that's a bit more like sustainable. I do think in the current market, it's probably going to be easier sure, to do. Sure. But yeah, I think those are like, you know, obviously also just growing pains. So yeah. 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 Those are great takes. Yeah. Crypto 24 seven, 365 is tough. And also a lot of the platforms we use are just really hard. Like, you know, I am doing like marketing community stuff. So each day I just rotate like internal Slack, Tally, email, Telegram, Discord, my personal Twitter, Tally's Twitter, like six things every day, like all day, right? And many of those platforms, like I find myself being like, man, email is dope. And the reason I find myself thinking about that is because like something about the way the form factor is, it doesn't create an expectation for an immediate response. Whereas like a lot of these other platforms, like Discord, Telegram in particular, I'll call out, it's like yeah. the, the way everything is set up is almost like live chat, but like, the fact that we're doing, we're trying to do this like deep work in this like live chat tool yeah. in a market platform that's 24 seven, 365 global permissionless is just wild. Like it's, it's definitely harsh, like, you yeah. know, and, and I think, yeah, like whether it's like just being conscious of mental health or, and, or like 
thinking about our tools, like you're talking about for a community. I think there's a lot of work to do to try to make it like, we should be incentivized to do it because we all work in the space. Like, <laughs> let's get together to be like, let's, let's work less. Let's work better. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's work healthy, more healthily. I don't know. Anyway, uh, to close, one non-crypto question. So what is your favorite place in the world and why? The meta, no, <laughs> I was going to say the metaverse. Yeah, uh, no, I, like, I, I feel like <laughs> that's a tough question. I feel favorite, like there's too many. Your favorite place is Telegram. That's while right. Being blown only, up only, on Sunday morning. That's right. Only, <laughs> only Telegram. Um, yeah. I mean, we are in New York. I do really love New York as a city. My sort of like probably favorite space is still, maybe it ties it back together, I guess. Still, still probably like Toronto. I do love Toronto as a city. It has its challenges as a city too, but like, you know, I'm still spending a lot of time there and I still think it's like, it's still underrated. It's underrated. Yeah. Except for maybe, I don't know, like, I guess Drake hypes it up as a city <laughs> but like beyond that. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that like, that's, uh, you know, one of many places, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. That's awesome. I, uh, I lived in Michigan for a couple years and, uh, made the trek to Toronto for yeah, a long, long weekend. And yeah, it's an amazing city. It's, it's super beautiful. It's like so diverse too. Like there's so many different neighborhoods yeah. with like completely different kind of like New York in that way, where they exactly. go to like a different neighborhood. It's like a different culture. Yeah. Uh, super cool. Absolutely. And you know, you gotta be down with the cold, but, uh, <laughs> I, I personally am. That's true. Um, I prefer cold to hot, like, yeah, hot places. I just can't. So you can always add more layers, you know, yeah, whole, yeah exactly. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks, Scott. I uh, appreciate you joining and hope you have a great rest of the week.